Amen. If you will, take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I tell you, it's always good to be back at my original home church. Uh, you know, this is the church I grew up in and uh, where the Lord first began dealing with my heart about serving Him. And uh, just thankful for the many years of uh, training and investment and uh, most of all, love that I've received here uh, from the folks here at Whitfield Baptist Church. And that's what we're going to look at tonight is the, this thought of the ministry of love, the ministry of love. You know, I've seen a, 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 lot, of, um, a lot of people try to serve God with their life, try to do different ministry things. And, and one thing that I've always found common among everybody that is in ministry is that if you don't absolutely love those that you're ministering to, you're going to have a hard time. And so I just believe that with all of my heart that God has given us a foundation uh, by which to minister by, and that is the, the, the attitude of love. You know, I was thinking about it during the, the prayer time and uh, just hearing the different prayer requests, and I would never want to embarrass anyone, but, you know, I appreciate my brother Andrew here because as long as I can possibly remember, there are names that he is constantly asking prayer for. You know, uh, Brother Steve's sister, Ms. Sheila Gregory, I believe with all of my heart that one day we're going to hear of a, of a report that she has trusted Jesus Christ because this man does not fail to mention her by name. I believe with all of my heart that one day we will see our dear brother Anthony and his brother Tim walk through those doors and come back to the house of God and, and get right with God or get saved one because this man has not ceased to mention them by name. You know, the more that I, I, I grow, the more that I, I learn, uh, which is something that I'm, I'm constantly doing every day uh, in my spiritual walk, uh, the one thing that I'm learning is that the more that you pray for someone, the more you begin to love them. The more that you pray for people and their particular needs, the more that you begin to love them. And so I tell you, I, I love each and every one of you because I pray for you. And I know that you all love us and our family because I know that you pray for us. But we're going to look at the thought of the ministry of love tonight. If we were to take love and we were to break it down into an acronym, I like acronyms. Um, the, uh, Brother, Brother Wayne likes acronyms. Brother Tony Howarth likes acronyms. Every preacher I know can somehow take one word and break it down to mean a lot of different things. But if we were to take love and we were to break it down into an acronym, it could go something like this. The L would be loving God. You know, we, we first have love because God first loved us. And no man outside of the love of God has true love. You see, the world tries to find alternatives to love. They try to find things that would replace love and, and look like love. But the truth is, is that outside of Jesus Christ, they do not know what love is. And so we love God. We, we love God. We're able to love God because He first loved us and gave Himself for us. And then the O would be others first. Others first. So when we love God, it's amazing how we no longer look at ourselves. We no longer look at uh, our wants and our desires. But then we begin to prefer one another and look at the, the needs of others. So we learn to put others first. That starts because we love God and He was our example and He first loved us and as a result we can love Him and we can love others. We know that the, the golden rule, uh, so to speak, or the two great commandments, 
to uh, treat others as we would um, want to be treated and that we uh, love God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind. And he said the second commandment is like unto it that we love our neighbor as ourself. You see, the way that we love others, the way that we prefer others is that we first love God and then His love through us allows us to love them. And when we begin to love others, we begin to pray for them, we begin to hurt with them, we begin to weep with them during their times of need, we begin to rejoice with them in their times of success and, and, and blessing. But it also expands our vision, and we have a V, the vision for the world. A vision for the world. You see, as we begin praying for others, not only in this community, but we begin praying for other countries, and we begin praying for other people groups and other languages and other tribes and tongues, it's amazing how the Lord will open our heart and burden us, not just for our area and our community, but all those around the world that need to know the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we love God. Uh, we love God, and as a result, we love others. And when we love others, and it, it broadens our horizon, we have an expanded vision to where we see the need of the world to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, and then and only then do we come to eat, and that's enjoying life. Just like the world has tried to f find fulfillment and, and, and tried to replace uh, love in all other avenues, they've tried to find fulfillment, they've tried to find purpose in all different avenues outside of God, but the only way that we can truly enjoy life is by having the love of God. Can I just tell you tonight, I am having the best time of my life serving God. Can I tell you that there's been a whole lot of times where I've tried to find some sort of joy and fulfillment in the things that the world has to offer, and absolutely nothing can compare. It was a few weeks ago, I was with a, a pastor friend of mine and, and a couple of young men that he is working with and training and one of them happens to be a, a, a former Marine. Now, according to the Marines, there's no such thing as a former Marine. Once you're a Marine, you're always a Marine. And so uh, we were riding along in, in Pastor Chad Gordon's truck, and we were leaving a preacher's fellowship. And he wanted me to talk to these two young men. One of them, the, the, the Marine, he, he was teetering on the edge of making a decision to be a preacher. He felt like the Lord was is calling him to preach and was working in his heart. But he hadn't yet made that decision. And knowing exactly where he was coming from as we were driving through, um, through Loganville, Georgia, coming back from a preacher's fellowship, uh, we were all gathered in his truck. We had had a good meal to eat before the meeting. We had heard some great preaching. We was just having a fantastic, wonderful time talking about Jesus. I looked at him and I said, Do you remember riding along the desert streets in a Humvee? Your weapon strapped to your chest, your body armor weighing you down. And all those men in that Humvee, you looking at them to protect you and that you were going to protect them. And if it came to it, that you would lay down your life. And you remember that sense of brotherhood, that bond that you have, thinking that no one in this world could ever come between you and those other men. He said, oh yeah, Brother Stephen, I know exactly what you're talking about. I looked at him and I said, can I tell you this? As great of a bond as you had with those men serving in the United States Marine Corps. The bond of brotherhood that we have serving Jesus not only means that we're serving in this life, but we're serving for eternity's sake. 
The, the, the work that we have, the foundation that we have, the bond of brotherhood that we have is so much greater when we give our lives to serve Jesus. Because regardless of creed, nation, tongue, tribe, region, culture, anything, we are united through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and by His love. It was a couple of weeks after that, Brother Chad called me and he said, you know, uh, he, made it, he made it public today that he was surrendering to preach the gospel to a lost and dying world. And we got to be there at his church that Sunday morning when he announced it to the church that he was giving his life to serve Jesus. You know, we, we can have the time of our life. The way that we learn to truly enjoy life is by loving God, loving others, and having a vision for the world. Here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, very familiar passage of Scripture to us. We know it as the, as the love chapter. We often hear it preached on during Valentine's Day and at different weddings and venues of that nature. But here in chapter 13 and verse 1, the Bible says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and have all knowledge, so that I, uh, and, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, and have not charity... I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Here in these first three verses, we see what life is like, what ministry is like, in the absence of love. The absence of love. In verse 1, Paul says, listen, I could preach this nice three-point alliterated outline, and it could tickle your ears, and uh, it could draw the tears from your eyes. It would uh, move within your heart. And maybe you would come down to this altar and you would make decisions to follow God and to follow His will. But understand, if I preach to you, no matter how eloquent it is, no matter how enticing the words, if I preach to you without love, He said, all I'm doing is making noise. He said, it's empty, it's vain. It's without anything. Substance. He said... Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity. It doesn't matter how eloquent you can speak, how great your message is. If you do not love those to whom you are preaching to, all we're doing is making a bunch of noise. In verse 2 he says, And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries. He says, listen, I could take this book and I could explain it to you from cover to cover uh, in such a way that you leave here with a clear and perfect understanding of all the hidden mysteries of the Word of God, and you would leave here being able to then teach others also. He said, but if I could do that without love, it doesn't do me any good. He says, it profiteth me nothing. He goes on to say, you know, I could have all the faith in the world that I could say to the mountain, mountain be moved and it would obey, but without love... Without charity, I am nothing. In verse 3, he says, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. You know, one of the things that we learned while we were in South Africa is that as much as there is a need for the gospel and as there is a need for churches to be started, there's one thing that they have an abundance of, and that's charities. When we look at 
different charities around the world. Everybody has their hand in it. Oftentimes it's, uh, it's uh, because there's uh, money to be made or there's a name to be made or, or whatever the reason might be. But there's no shortage of charities that are trying to make people's lives for this temporal time that they're trying to make those better. As a matter of fact, the, the area that we were working in, there in an area called Missionville, uh, where we were meeting on a weekly basis in the home of Tulasi's Way, and we were preaching and teaching the Bible uh, to him and his family and all of his neighbors. Right around the corner there, there was a, it was called the Missionville Care Center. And uh, every week we would come in, and there would be hordes and hordes of people just lined up all the way down the street trying to get into the Missionville Care Center because they would give out clothing and they would. Uh, feed them a meal and they would give them free checkups and do medical things like that. And those people, they would walk in and they would leave the same as what they came. You see, the, the problem with the world is not the lack of physical needs being met. The problem with the world is that they are lost and undone without Jesus Christ. And Paul says, you know, I could bestow all my goods to feed the poor. He said, I could sell everything that I have. I could give my life to make sure that their, their needs are met. I could clothe them. I could feed them. I could help them have a, a better existence in this life. But understand that without love, it doesn't do you any good. And it don't do me any good. He says, I'll take it a step further once again. He said, listen, I could lay my life down as a sacrifice. I could give my body to be burned. Without love, it profiteth nothing. We see the absence of love in the first three verses. In the next few verses, we see the attributes of love. The attributes of love. In verse 4, the Bible says, Charity suffereth long and is kind. It says, Charity is patient. Patience literally means long-suffering. Charity literally means that it suffers long. You ever or, uh, patience literally means that it suffers long. It, it it endures hardships. Now my wife is in here, and uh, many of you have known me for quite some time, and she would be able to attest to this. But you know, I'm standing here. I'm a pretty good example of patience, and she's shaking her head no, because the truth of the matter is, is that that is one of the Fruits of the Spirit that God is still working in me. I heard one time an old preacher say, Well, if you pray for patience, go ahead and expect trials. Because in James chapter 1, the Bible says, uh, um, Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. So if you pray for patience, just go ahead and expect trials will come. And so I quit praying for patience uh, because I didn't want to face the trials. I'm just kidding about that. But anyway, charity, having a foundation of love, having the love of God in me and working outwardly through me, it produces these fruits of the Spirit. It produces patience. Not only patience, but it says love is kind. You ever met somebody that's just hateful? You ever met somebody they just got that scowl on their face and every time you look their direction it's like, whoa. Which side of the bed did they wake up on this morning? I bet they didn't eat their Wheaties when they got up, did they? And you're sitting there going, okay, listen, I, I, I know that I don't have all these down, but you know what? 
when we have the love of God in and through us, we can learn to be kind. Charity is patient. Charity is kind. It says, charity envieth not. Now I'm just going to be transparent with you for a few moments, but can I tell you one of the other things that I struggle with is that little word there called envy. I'm, I'm talking about, I mean, silly things. It's not, I don't look at people who have a, a mansion and, and, and envy that or anything like that. I don't look at somebody that has a nicer car than I have and, and think, okay, well, he doesn't deserve that and I do, so I'm jealous and all that. You know, here's the, the, the bad part about it is I, I look at men uh, that have a ministry that I desire to have and I think, what's he got that I don't? You know what? That's not of love. That's certainly not of God. Do you rejoice when you see a man that has been blessed by God who God is using in a way that maybe doesn't, uh, isn't exactly like the way that He's blessing you and working and using you, but instead of rejoicing with Him, instead of taking pleasure in His success and taking pleasure in the blessings that God has given Him, but you're envious instead. You know, we ought not be that way. That's not the love of God. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Charity isn't, isn't prideful. I tell you, there's a fine line when you're a missionary, and uh, I know Brother Steve could attest to, this, uh, t- attest to this, when you travel around to different churches and you present your ministry and you preach, uh, there's this, this thing that kind of comes along with it. The more churches that you're in, the more people kind of puff you up and make you a whole lot more than what you really are, and you just think, okay, Lord, if they only knew half of really the truth behind it, they probably wouldn't even want me preaching anyway. Uh, and so, God, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut and keep going. But, you know, we, we preach around, and, and, and folks start looking at you, and it's very easy, if you're not careful, to start being puffed up, to start being prideful, to actually start believing all the hype about yourself. You know, for two years on deputation, we traveled around the United States and we told people that we were going to go conquer South Africa with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then I come back on furlough and I think, okay, all that stuff that I told churches I was planning on doing, God allowed me to see a little vision of it. And then the country said, okay, well, you can't even come back in. So God's changing our direction even there. And so all of those two years, was I just full of, 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 of pride? Going around and traveling and and trying to tell churches what my vision was and tell them what I was going to do. If we're not very careful, we can vaunteth ourselves and we can puff ourselves up. But that's not love. Verse 5, it says, doth not behave itself unseemly. You see, love, love is a good testimony. The love of God in and through us has a good testimony among men. The Bible talks about that a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, than gold and silver. What is your testimony out in the world? What is your testimony to your neighbors, to those that you work with, to those that you, uh, that you see outside of these four walls? What is your testimony? Is it one of love? Is it one of God? Charity doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own. Is not... Easily provoked. Now that's another hot topic for me. I think the Lord's really helped me with this over the last few years, but you ever met a hothead? 
You ever met somebody that has a bad temper? Again, I'm going to be transparent with you, but it's, it's amazing to me how uh, as you're traveling, you'll be on the interstate and you'll be uh, going, around, uh, going along at a, at a good cruising speed and have the cruise control set. And You're on your way to church. You're on your way to preach. You're on your way to, to, to be the man of God. And then all of a sudden, that semi-truck uh, cuts over uh, three lanes of traffic and cuts you off and you have to slam the brakes and all of a sudden, you're angry. You know what? Love doesn't lay on the horn and drive by yelling obscenities to that trucker. Love is not easily provoked. Do you have, do you have temper issues? Do you have control over the way that you respond? You see, I'm learning that we can't always control what happens to us, but we certainly can control how we respond to it. We can't control our circumstances. But if we're being led by the Spirit, we can control how we respond. And charity is not easily provoked. The next one, thinketh no evil. Charity thinketh no evil. Now this isn't saying that, that when you have uh, the love of God in and through you that, uh, and, and this thinking no evil, it's not talking about sinful thoughts, even though that could fit there. But what this is talking about is... When you see that dear brother or sister and you, uh, uh, you have this, this assumption that they don't like you and because they don't like you, you don't like them, that's what this is talking about. Uh, thinketh no evil, it means that you don't assume the worst in others. Can I tell you, one of the hardest lessons that we'll learn, but, is, uh, but the moment that we learn it, we're going to have a whole lot of freedom that we've never experienced before. But if we just assume that not everybody is out to get you, we're going to be a whole lot happier. Can I tell you, love doesn't assume the worst in others. Love doesn't look at somebody and think, okay, well that person doesn't like me and so they're out to hurt me. No, love assumes the best in people. Love assumes that though they may be going through trials and tribulation, that you can come alongside them and that you can lift them up in prayer and you can put your arm around them and just encourage them in the Lord. Let them know that you love them, that you're praying for them, that you're there to help them in any way that you can. But love does not assume the worst in others. Verse 6, love rejoiceth not in iniquity. You know, I, I remember as we were getting ready to come back on furlough, and Ashley and I had this routine. We would go to um, this, uh, this place called Mug and Bean uh, on Monday mornings. We took Mondays off, um, and uh, every Monday morning we would try to go to Mug and Bean for breakfast, and that was kind of like our, our date day. And so we would take maybe an hour, hour and a half and go get breakfast together, and we, we really enjoyed that. We enjoyed being in the routine where we could do that. Uh, Peyton was in school and there towards the end Eli was in school and Neelan was at home with our helper and, and all of that and so we would go to Mug and Bean and we'd get breakfast together and I remember as we were sitting there getting ready to come back uh, they always had the TV on and, uh, and they would be broadcasting the news and a lot of times it was CNN or, or BBC the, the British version of CNN and those were really the only two options that we had but I remember during that time as we were getting ready to come home that New York State had just passed that law allowing late-term abortions. 
I'm, you know, I'll be honest with you, I'm glad to see that Georgia and Tennessee and Alabama are trying to take some steps to, to make that extremely tough and hopefully go all the way to the Supreme Court and have the potential and the possibility to have all of that overturned anyway. But I remember during that time that New York State had just passed that law allowing late-term abortions. And, and I remember sitting there and our hearts were broken and, and we were praying and asking God to to move in the hearts of the leadership there and to change that outcome and change that decision. But what really struck me is that as we were sitting there watching the news, that all of a sudden the, these groups of people, these ginormous crowds were filling the streets and they had their signs and they had their banners and that they were having a party. They were parading around their, the streets rejoicing like they had just won this great victory. And I remember sitting there thinking, what a tragedy that all these thousands of people are gathering in the streets and they're, they're, they're rejoicing over this sin that grieves God. Can I tell you that that is not of love. That's not of God. Love rejoiceth not in iniquity. When we have true love, when we have the love of God, then we take no pleasure in the wickedness of this world. But what does love rejoice in? Look with me at verse 6. But rejoiceth in the truth. And what is the truth? Thy word is truth. So we see the attributes of love. Verse 8 it says, Charity never faileth. Aren't you glad? That the love of God has never failed us and never will fail us. It's the love of God by which we're saved. And it's the love of God by which we are kept. And it's the love of God that one day as we stand before Him for all eternity that we can thank Him and praise Him. And we can love Him because He first loved us. Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face, now I know in part... But then shall I know, even as also I am known. Now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. So first of all, we saw the absence of love. Secondly, we saw the attributes of love. And thirdly, I'd like you to see the action of love. The action of love. In verse 8 it says, whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. And whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. You know what Paul was saying there? He says, listen, we live in a day and age where, uh, where the New Testament church has come in. It's a different dispensation. And, and those unbelieving Jews, in order for them to believe in Jesus Christ, they required a sign. And so that was one of the reasons that the signs of tongues was given was because uh, on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit descended upon them, it wasn't that, uh, that Peter was preaching uh, some hamra, shabra, dabra, 
and everybody understood what that meant. No, he was preaching in his language and everyone that was there from other nationalities heard his preaching in their own language. And that's what the t uh, tongues meant. And that was a sign to the unbelieving Jew. That was a sign so that they could look and say, hey, this, this must be of God and therefore we can believe. And that's what the tongues were. He says, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. And whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. He says, listen, I want you to understand, there's a lot of philosophers around here and there's a lot of people who claim to be wise in the world's eyes. But understand, there's going to come a day when all of that's going to vanish away because we have the truth of the Word of God. He says, listen, I want you to understand, we have this much of the Bible. We have the Old Testament. It has been written uh, by the prophets and by the... Uh, uh, and we have the Old Testament. It has, uh, we have it within our possession. He said, I want you to, I want you to know this, this side of it, we are still writing. As a matter of fact, this, this epistle, this letter that I'm writing to the church at Corinth, this will, will one day be uh, part of the canon of Scripture. That's the Word of God. As holy men of God were moved by the Holy Spirit of God and that no Scripture is given by any private interpretation. He said, we, we have the Old Testament, the New Testament. It, it, it's... It's being written right now, and you're seeing that unfold before your eyes. He said, so we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect, and if you maybe put a circle around that and just out to the side, maybe write complete, when that which is complete is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. Now, he's not saying that the Old Testament is going to be done away. The in part, the part that's going to be done away are those signs to the unbelieving Jews. The, the prophecy, the, 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 the speaking in tongues, those apostolic gifts that were given during that age. He said all of those that during that apostolic age that we have right now, those will be done away when we have the complete word of God. In verse in verse 10 he says, but when I was, uh, but that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part shall be done away. Verse 11, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. Now he, he's saying, listen, I understand that right now you're very young in the faith and maybe that's the way that you need to understand and grow and learn. He said, but there's going to come a day when you're going to have all the answers to the problems and the, and the questions that you have in life. And you'll be able to turn to the complete Word of God and find those answers. You know, I remember when I was seven years old, it was when I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. Many of you are familiar with a little bit of my testimony, but I wasn't raised in church uh, until I was 11 years old. Um, but I was saved at the age of seven because as we were living over here off, off David Drive, um, right down off of Foster Road here, um, the church bus came by and picked me up and took me to vacation Bible school. And uh, when I went out to the, when I went um, out there and, and I saw the church van, uh, I went and asked Dad. I said, Dad, can I go to vacation Bible school? So all these kids over there, and he looked at the church van. And even though my dad wasn't a faithful Christian that, that went to church, he he had some good sense about him. And the church van that came by and picked me up was the same church that he trusted Jesus Christ in, and that was McFarland Hill Baptist Church. And so that church van came by and, and picked me up, and I went all throughout that week. I heard the gospel each and every night, and that very last night of vacation Bible school, uh, I knew that I was a sinner, even though I didn't really uh, have a whole lot of, of bad that I'd done in my life. I was only seven years old, but I knew that I'd lied. I knew that I'd cheated. I knew that I'd picked on my little brother. 
I knew that I had done wrong. I knew that I disobeyed my parents, and I knew that I needed to be saved. And I remember very vividly as I, as I knelt and, and prayed, I asked Jesus Christ to forgive me of my sins and to come into my heart and to save me. And the moment that that happened, I, I believe that the Lord saved my soul. But as a young child, can I just tell you, I, I, I thought as a child, I understood as a child, and I spake as a child. And that very next second, I, I got to thinking about it, and I was like, okay, Lord, I don't know if that worked. And you know what I did? I said, Lord, could you give me a sign? I asked the Lord for a sign. I thought as a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child. I wanted to have confirmation. I wanted to know that I had trusted Jesus and that that was good enough. You know what happened just seconds later after that? I started getting goosebumps all over my body. I got that cold chill that goes down your, the back of your neck and you just go, whoo, you know what I'm talking about? I thought, okay, well that must be a sign from God. The Holy Spirit of God just descended upon my life and I have confirmation that I am now saved and if I die today, then I'll go to heaven. You know, as I've grown and matured a little bit in the Lord from a seven-year-old boy, can I just tell you, I don't still believe that goosebumps is the Holy Spirit of God that descends upon my life as a believer letting me know that I'm a child of God. But I was a child. I thought as a child. I spake as a child. But then as I began to grow and mature in the Word of God, to be discipled, to be trained, to be taught in the Scriptures, I put away those childish things. And see, now I understand that our life is not lived from sign to sign and wonder to wonder but that our lives are lived by faith. And that one day when we see our Savior face to face, then our faith will become sight. Paul says, listen, right now you may require that sign. You may require that wonder. But one day as I stand here and, and you know me and you see me, that which is perfect will come. And tonight you sit here with that complete, inerrant, infallible Word of God within your laps. And the greatest way that we can put this love, the greatest love letter that was ever told, the greatest way that we can put that to action is by sharing it with a lost and dying world. You see, it's one thing for us to say, I love you. But it's a whole other thing for us to show it. And as I said before, there is absolutely no shortage of charities around the world trying to make the temporal lives of the people around the world better. But the greatest way that we can show love to others is by telling them that Jesus Christ came, was born of the flesh, was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin, and no man took his life, but he willingly laid it down. And that if they will put their faith and trust in Him, that not only will their life be changed, but their eternity will be changed. Putting our love in action is this. By taking this precious love letter from the Lord Jesus Christ and by sharing it with others. This afternoon I had the awesome privilege to go with Brother Mark and Brother Larry over to the jail.
And I walked in, and I saw a good friend of mine that I had grown up with named Bruce. Many of you may even remember Bruce. He came with me uh, here a few times, and as when we were young teenagers, he made a profession of faith and said that he trusted Christ as a Savior. When I was sitting there with him today, he told me, he said, Stephen, over the last 13 years, 11 of those years have been spent behind bars. He said, I never truly got saved. He said, but Stephen, two months ago, I was reading that brochure that Brother Larry made about being in the rat hole game. And I knelt and asked Jesus Christ to save me. And I know that when I die, Heaven will be my home. Can I tell you, what a glorious day that will be when we stand before Jesus and we get to praise and worship Him for all that He's done for us. You know what makes that, that day even more special? When we look around and we see our loved ones there with us. And because of their personal faith and trust in Jesus Christ, they get to spend eternity praising our Savior. But i got to be honest with you. The only way that happens is if they know. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I believe that with all of my heart. You know, the Bible says, how are they going to call of him of whom they not believe? And how are they going to believe on him of whom they've not heard? And how are they going to hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? And that commission to take this gospel to a lost and dying world, it wasn't just given to the missionary. It wasn't just given to the pastor wasn't just given to the evangelist or the Sunday school teacher but it was given to the church putting your love in action means telling others about the one who loved them and gave himself for them let's pray Father we love you God I pray Lord that you'd have your will and way speak to hearts in only a way that you can God I pray Lord that you'd bless these folks Lord, only you know their burdens. Lord, you know the struggles that they deal with. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just make, a, make them to have a sweet awareness of the presence of the Holy Spirit of God upon their life. And Lord, as we get ready to leave here, Lord, that you'd energize them. Lord, that you'd encourage them. But Lord, that you'd challenge them to share the greatest love story that was ever told and share that gospel of Jesus Christ to those that they love. I pray, Lord, that we would see results of our labor. And Lord, that... We would praise you for the increase that you give. Lord, we know that you are the one that brings the harvest. God, we have a job to do to work the, work the ground and sow the seed. God, I pray, Lord, that within our lifetime, the prayers of those that are lost would be answered. Lord, I do lift up Miss Sheila Gregory. I pray, God, that you'd save her soul even now. And God, I lift up Tim and Anthony Wholesome back. I pray, God, that you would break them bring them to a point and place where the only way that they could turn is to you. 
And God, for all the others that are on that prayer list tonight that do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, Lord, wherever they are, whatever they're doing, would you interrupt them and give them a holy uh, uneasiness, bring them to their knees, to where they fall flat on their face and know that Thou art God. God, would you save them? Lord, save the soul tonight that may be here that's closest to hell. Lord, help us to be your mouthpiece, Lord, your instrument, sharing the gospel to a lost and dying world. We love you and ask all these things in Jesus' name.